Well, it's good to be with you today. I'm excited to have the opportunity to preach to you. I don't get the opportunity very often. And for those of you who are new, uh, I'm not the lead pastor here. Our lead pastor is on vacation, Pastor Darren Rogers. My name is Kyle Hughes. I'm the Connections Pastor here. And uh, so I get the chance to uh, bring the word to you today. He'll be back in the pulpit next week. And I know that he will be, uh, he'll be ready for you. He's been gone for two weeks. I think it's the first time ever in his life that he's had a two-week vacation. So uh, it was much needed and much deserved. He and Miss Debbie work so incredibly hard. You cannot imagine how hard they work uh, to serve this church. And I'm so thankful to serve under our lead pastor and, and under the vision that he has that God has given him, I believe, for this house. And uh, it's exciting time to be a part of Trinity Fellowship because God is doing amazing things. So, wow, w- wasn't that an amazing worship set today? That song, Tremble, wow, like that's my song right now. Abby, wherever you are, incredible job. Man, just felt the anointing on that song, just felt the presence of God. I love to be in the presence of God. It's what I long for more than anything really in my life. Chad's talking about what you treasure. I treasure the presence of God. I want to be a person that lives my life in the presence of God. I want my children to be people of the presence of God. And uh, because the presence of God, it makes all the difference. It changes everything. We can come into this place burdened, weighed down with sin and doubt and worry, confusion. We can come in here feeling defeated. But when we get into the presence of God, everything can change. Amen. So I want to invite the presence of God. I know he's here, but I want to invite him to be with us in this time as we look to the word today. I want to ask him to anoint me to preach this to you. So I'm going to ask you to join me. Close your eyes. Pray with me today. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We love you, God. We worship you. We want your presence in our lives, Lord. We need you today, God, for it is your presence. It is your spirit that makes the difference. It's your spirit that breaks the bondages in our life. God, it's your spirit that makes us free, Lord. It, it helps us to see what we cannot see on our own, God. It takes us to new places, Lord. God, it, it opens up our eyes to heaven's realities, Father. And I pray that that would happen today, Father, as we look to your word. Father, I ask that you would anoint me to preach your word with clarity, God, and with passion, Lord. And I pray that people would open up their hearts to hear it, God. They would be hungry to hear, God, not disinterested or, or thinking about anything else, God. God, but in this moment, focused, God, on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about grapes, potatoes, and the power of patience. Grapes, potatoes, and the power of patience. I didn't get to see the slide. Okay, it's nothing. No picture there. I thought you were laughing at a picture. You're just laughing at my title. Gosh, come on. Grapes, potatoes, and the power of patience. And I'll tell you right off the bat that this is a bit of a a different kind of sermon for me. If you've ever heard me preach, I tend to take one passage and I study it deeply. I want to learn everything I can about that that set of scriptures, about the book that it's written in. I'm going to get all my points from that one set of scriptures. But this message is very different because as I was praying and I was preparing to bring this message to you, Really what kept coming to my heart and to my mind are three lessons that I have learned over the last couple years of my life. Very, very important lessons. 
And as I thought about these three lessons, three different passages of Scripture came to mind, one for each lesson. So today you're going to get three points, three passages of Scripture, basically three messages in one. So I hope you're ready. That was a joke. Three points, three passages of Scripture, basically like three mini-sermons. So if you don't like the first point, just hang on. The second one's like an entirely different message. You might like it, all right? So we got, you got good odds of liking at least one out of the three. So let's do this. Point number one. Point number one is don't pick the grapes. John chapter 15, if you have your Bible, you can go there. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17, is where Jesus is talking about he being the vine and we being the branches and the Father being the vine dresser. But I just want to read the first two or three verses. Jesus said there in John chapter 15, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That means he cuts off the bad shoots. You know, you got a vine and you got a branch coming off and then you got shoots, right? He cuts off the bad ones so that the ones that remain can produce more fruit. That's what Jesus said. And this first point this morning is about knowing our role in our relationship with God. I had to learn some hard lessons over the last couple years of my life about knowing my role in my relationship with God. You see, in this scripture, Jesus tells us that he is the vine. That means that he is the source of our salvation. He is why we can have a relationship with God. He is why the Holy Spirit of God can live inside of us. The Father is the vine dresser. He is sovereignly orchestrating all things in this body, in the body of Christ and in our individual lives. And his job is to take away branches that don't produce any fruit. And as I said, prune the ones that do so that they might be more productive. We are the branches, Jesus said. God has designed us, all of us, to do great things, to produce the fruit of the kingdom of heaven here on the earth, but we are designed in a way that we cannot do it apart from him. So when we go to picking grapes, we step out of our place. You see, Jesus said that the Father will remove the branches that aren't fruitful and he will prune the ones that are. God is responsible for the direction of his church and the direction of our lives. So when we try to remove or prune things in our lives without his consent or in other people's lives, we step out of the role that God created us for and gifted us for. Jesus tells us in these set of scriptures that our job is to remain in him. That's what he said. You are to abide in me. If you abide in me, he said, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Your job, your number one priority as a Christian is to stay in Jesus, to remain in him constantly. And because of that, he will empower you and you will produce fruit in your life. It's not our job to choose apart from God's word and the Holy Spirit's leading what stays and goes in our lives. Because when we do that, church, we are headed for trouble. You know why? Because our heart is deceitful above all things, the scripture says. Who can know it? 
what? Kyle, you're, you're telling me not to believe what every Disney movie ever made has told me about being true to my heart? You remember Mulan? True to your heart, be true to your heart. That's when the heavens will part. No, they won't part. That's a lie. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, don't follow your heart apart from God. Don't follow your heart. Give your heart to God. And after you've given your heart to God, he will transform it. Then and only then should you follow your heart. Because the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. I don't know about you, but I have tried to play the role of vine dresser in my own life. I have tried to fix problems and answer questions that only God could fix. I thought I could do it on my own with my own determination, with my own intellect, with my own abilities. I was trying at some points in my life to do God's job. But we can't do it. Because there are some things in us, church, that are broken and we are not capable of fixing them. And God has made us in a way that the humility and the repentance that it requires to fix it is what gets us to him. You can't get to God without humility and without repentance. God's plan for us is to recognize how desperately we need him. For so many of us, God is just, he's just waiting. His Holy Spirit is convicting us. He's working with us daily, trying to get us to understand that we can't do this without him. Trying to get him, us to understand that we are broken and that we are sinful and that we desperately need him. There are things in life that we can do on our own. But when it comes to the matters of the soul, it belongs to God. When it comes to matters of eternity, it belongs to God. That's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And sometimes I think that that offends very highly motivated and successful people because they misunderstand it. Jesus is saying that you can do nothing of spiritual and eternal value apart from him. And you either believe him or you don't. But I do. And it's not simply because this word says it. It's because that has been my experience. Many of you know of my family's rather strange move to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then our return six months later that happened about two years ago. Matter of fact, it was last month that we have been back in Northwest Arkansas for two years after we moved back from Charlotte, only being there about six months. But what most of you don't know is why. Because of some of my doubts and struggles at that time in my life, I decided to be the vine dresser in my own life. I decided that I knew what was best for me. I wasn't abiding in Jesus. And instead of letting God be the vine dresser, instead of abiding in Jesus, Instead of doing everything that God has told me in his word to do when I deal with sin and when I deal with doubt, which is living in community and confessing my sins and, and walking through it with the people who are closest to me, I decided that I would fix it on my own. So I moved to Charlotte thinking that distance and education would fix a problem that God had already given me a formula to fix. And instead of letting God do his job in my life, in removing the things from my life that he wanted to, I isolated myself from community. 
totally isolated myself. And so I can tell you from experience. Now, I'll say this. God will take whatever you do and he can use it. He can give beauty for ashes. So you can, you can blow it big time. You can mess up. You can go the wrong way. You can run from Nineveh and get swallowed by the well. You can do all of that. And God, in his grace and his mercy, will still beckon you. He will still call you. He will still love you. And that's exactly what he did for us. Heather and I look back on that season in Charlotte, and we wouldn't trade it for anything. Did I handle that season of my life the right way? No. In many ways, no. But did God still love me? Yes. Did he still call me? Yes. Did he still have a plan? Yes. So if you're trying to play vine dresser this morning and you're running from God and you're deciding on your own what needs to stay and what needs to go in your life, God is still there. But I'm going to tell you, don't try to do God's job in your life. You Remain in Jesus. Live according to his word, and that will produce the fruit that you need to live the Christian life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So don't pick grapes. It's not your job. Secondly, don't pull up the potatoes. Don't pull up the potatoes In other words, don't stop doing the job that God has given you. Don't try to do his job, but don't stop doing the job that God has given you. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul writes this. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And listen to this, key verse. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are, the, are of the household of faith. Now, in this letter, Paul is writing to a church where these believers are being challenged to abandon the gospel. These teachers have come in after him and said, what Paul told you is wrong. You cannot be a Christian by just putting your faith in Jesus. You also have to do X, Y, Z. And so they're being they're being pressured. And Paul is writing them. And it's probably the most strongly worded letter in all of the New Testament. He's just plain mad. He's just telling them, like, you're wrong. How could you be so stupid? (laughs) Pretty much. Come back to the message that I preached to you. So in that context, these verses make so much sense. He's saying, don't grow weary of doing good. Don't grow weary of what you know is right. Yes, you have the pressure of these false teachers. Yes, you have the pressure of others in the church who have already left and they're telling you to follow them. Yes, you may suffer for holding steadfast to the truth, but don't give up. In my personal life and in my experience as a pastor, most people give up doing what's right because they cannot see the results. And they can't see any way that continuing to do what is good will benefit them in the future. I've heard it said and I've even said it myself. What's the point? What's the point? I did what God said. I I obeyed the word, but it didn't benefit me in any way. Matter of fact, things just kept getting worse. So oftentimes we give up 
and we go back to our old ways. And when we do that, we have essentially pulled up the potatoes before they ever had a chance to grow. You see, potatoes are an interesting food. They're a very popular food because they're amazing. I mean, I knew I was going to get more amens on that point right there than anything today. I mean, we love potatoes. We eat them in so many different ways. They're incredible. Thank God for potatoes. Yes, hallelujah. I think what's really interesting about potatoes is that they grow underground. You don't actually see the potatoes at all until they are ready to be harvested. Potatoes spend their life underground soaking up the nutrients from the roots and the plant that's on the surface that is receiving the rain and the sunlight. But if you don't know what you're doing in growing potatoes, if you had the same expectation of potatoes that you have for tomatoes, you might get discouraged. You go out to the field, you're like, I planted potatoes, but I don't see no potatoes. The plant gets bigger and bigger. I see this plant, but I don't see no potatoes. The plant even puts out a flower, and I still don't see no potatoes. And in your frustration, you reach down, you grab that plant, you pull it up, and there's the potatoes. You couldn't see the fruit of the plant, but it was there all along. And if you pulled it up too early, you've ruined it. How many of us are pulling up potatoes in our lives left and right? Because we can't see with our natural eyes how obeying God, how sticking with it, how being faithful to the end will pay off. And because of our impatience, or maybe because we're doing the right thing for the wrong reason, we never reap the fruit of righteousness because we pulled up the potatoes before they were ready. Paul said, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Maybe it's just not your due season yet. You haven't given the plant enough time to grow, to mature, to come to fruition, because good things take time, church. So don't stop doing the job that God has given you. Because the job that God has given you, the calling on your life, will always be a process. It will always involve pain and struggle. It will always require more than your flesh wants to give. It will always take longer than you want it to take. And the purpose of God for your life, sometimes it may go unseen for so long that you might feel that it doesn't even exist anymore. But our job is just to keep planting and watering, to trust and obey. As Paul said, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. I believe that in our culture, we are losing the art of what I would call the long-suffering virtues, patience, commitment, loyalty, duty, honor, faithfulness. We're losing these things. You see, the richest fruit of God's spirit for your life will never be produced in a short amount of time. It is not found without struggle, without resistance, without suffering and endurance. It just doesn't work that way. Romans chapter 5, 
The Apostle Paul again said, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The message is very simple on this point. Don't give up. Don't pull up the potatoes. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on parenting. Don't give up on your calling and your career, your mission and your life. Don't give up. You had a bad day? Okay. Don't throw it all away. You had a bad month? So what? It happens. Don't give up. You had a bad year. Guess what? It happens sometimes. Don't give up. The potatoes are still down there. God's still working even though you can't see it. Don't give up because giving up won't accomplish anything. I hear people just like, I give up. I can't do this no more. Okay, what are you giving up to? You think saying I give up is going to make things better? You think it's going to make life stop happening to you? You give up. Well, what are you going to do now? Giving up won't get you anywhere. It's hard, but it's supposed to be hard. Don't quit. Just find the purpose in the pain. Because pain always tells us something. You have to learn to identify the different types of pain in your life. There is a pain from which we refrain when something is really wrong. But there is a pain that we must embrace. Because there's a difference in pain from injury and a pain from a lack of endurance. There is a difference from a pain from injury and a pain from a lack of endurance. Anybody that's ever worked out, you lift weights, you train to get in shape, you know that that comes with a particular kind of pain. Lifters talk about the burn. The burn is a good pain. It's telling us that we're making gains. We're getting better. It's about what we're removing as much as what we're adding. We remove the mental incapacity while we're increasing our physical capacity. That's how it is. You learn to discipline yourself as a lifter. Like, you learn that this pain is good. I've met people before who've never done anything physical in their life, and you take them to a gym. Some of you are going to like this here. You take them to a gym, you put them down there, and you tell them to start lifting. They're like, it hurts. I'm like, yeah, it hurt. Like some people think that any pain is bad. If they feel any pain at all, they run the opposite way as hard as they can. Guess what? They will always be weak. Always. You've got to learn to identify pain and embrace the right kind of pain. And sometimes, many times, walking this road with Jesus is painful, but there is purpose in that pain. It is developing character in you. The fruit is coming. The good part's coming. The potatoes are still there. But in our lives, there will be seasons of plenty. There will be lean seasons. There will even be drought. But we just keep plowing, planting, watering. Plowing, planting, watering. And we will reap a harvest in due season if we don't give up. So don't stop doing the job that God has given you. Don't give up on God. Don't turn your back on him. Don't turn your back on your calling. God is still working. The potatoes are still growing. Don't give up. Don't pull them up. And thirdly, 
And lastly, I've learned that we can't put too much confidence in our own strength. Rather, we have to learn to wait on God and he will renew our strength. Don't put too much confidence in your own strength. Rather, learn to wait on God and he will renew your strength. We all know the passage, Isaiah chapter 40. Starting in verse 27, it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I have learned over the last two years of my life, how important it is to wait on God. I am not patient by nature. Never have been. Probably never will be. Waiting is one of my least favorite things ever. I nearly lose my mind in our so-called traffic jams here in Northwest Arkansas. I'll take an exit to go around it and probably waste 10 minutes. And if I would have just stayed there, I would have gotten where I was going a lot faster. You know that person, right? That person that just can't sit still. You just can't sit still. That's me. I just hate to wait. And it's got to be genetic because when I look at my two older, older children, just pray for us. But when it comes to God's plan for our lives, we must, we must learn to wait on God. I told you about our move to Charlotte and back a little bit. And I dealt with another difficult situation when I got back here in Northwest Arkansas. And it had everything to do with this point. I had not yet learned to wait on God. I was not willing to wait, but I was in a hurry. I had a plan. I was hard-headed, and I was determined to do it my way. And because of that, I got involved in a ministry in a church that I should have never been involved with. It was not, there was nothing wrong with the church. It just was that I wasn't supposed to be there because I wasn't willing to wait. I put my needs and my ego before God's will. I didn't listen to anyone. I didn't listen to people who were telling me that I don't think this is a good idea. You need to slow down. You need to think about this. No, I did it my way. I was in a hurry. And it was a very difficult season. And very regrettable for me in many ways. I have learned this very valuable lesson. That when I am out of energy and answers... When I don't know what to do, I'm just going to wait on God. You will, not, you will not get me to make a big, important decision in a hurry ever again. Especially when it comes to the matters of God's plan for my life. Not going to do it. 
Not going to make that decision quickly. Not going to do it without praying and fasting. Not going to do it without listening to a lot of my uh, mentors and leaders and people that I trust. Not going to do it. I'm going to wait. You can get mad. You can be like, we're ready for you to make a decision. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. I have not heard from God yet. I don't have that peace in my spirit that I know that I know. And until I have it, sorry, I'm waiting on the Lord. Because I know that he has the answer for my life. And I know that he will get it to me when he's ready to get it to me. When he's done in me what he needs to do in me. In the meantime, I'm going to allow my strength to be renewed by just waiting and reminding myself of all the promises of God. I'm going to sit around and think about how I know that God is for me and not against me, that he loves me, that he's called me, that he's created me to do good works. I'm going to sit around and think about all that stuff and wait until I know And that's going to renew my strength. And then when he tells me I'm ready, I'm fueled up, I'm charged up. You see, church, we have to learn. Life is not like Instagram likes. You know, we we, now we, we post these pictures and these stories that represent a tiny fraction of our lives. And we're very selective and it's very highly edited. And then we get this instant gratification by sitting around and you do it. You sit around, you post it, and then you immediately sit around and wait for the likes to come. And it makes you feel better about yourself. I see you laughing because you know it's true. You sit around and you're like, I got like 100 likes on this picture. And you feel better about yourself because of that. But life, real life and God's will is nothing like that at all. You don't get to just throw something out there and then instantly the lights just boom, 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 you know, just start piling up. That's not how it works. And I believe that this mindset, this instant gratification, this instant everybody telling us what we want to hear, it is crippling us for what life is really like. Because real life is long, it's arduous. And those things which are truly valuable cannot be produced in a matter of seconds or minutes. And oftentimes it goes unseen and unacknowledged. But it's worth doing anyways because it's the right thing to do. It develops our character and through it the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us, molding us, making us who we're supposed to be. So I think that we have to learn the difference in satisfying our flesh and satisfying our soul. Satisfying our flesh is like a microwave. Satisfying your soul is like a crock pot. What would you rather have, a nasty two-day-old microwave hamburger or a roast that's been in the crock pot for more than 12 hours, so tender that you touch it just falls apart? Yeah, of course you'd rather have that, but you don't get that meal without waiting on it. It's the same in your spirit. It's the same way in your relationship with God. So don't give up. Just wait. Don't freak out. Just wait. God hasn't left. He's still on the throne. Nothing's changed with him. He's still the same God. So just wait when you don't know what to do. When you feel like you can't do anymore, just wait. And that's it. Wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. Because sometimes the best action is no action at all. 
It says that his understanding is unsearchable. That means that he knows everything that you need to know. You cannot even begin to fathom what he knows. So whatever it is you need from God, you, can, you need him to know, you can be assured that he knows it, right? He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. He's going to give you the power and the strength that you need. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall be exhausted. That means there is a limit to our strength in serving the Lord. Even our best falls short, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if we wait for him, he will come to us in due season. He will strengthen us, and that source of strength is more than enough to keep you going. And I'm getting ready to close today. So I want you to turn your heart and be ready to to respond to this word. This is the strength, church, that keeps us in Jesus when everything that's happening to us and around us makes us want to run from him. It is the strength to choose Jesus over the enticement of the world. It is the strength to get back up after we fail and start running again instead of lying there and giving up. So I came to share these three lessons with you this morning. That's my assignment this morning. Don't pick the grapes. Don't try to do God's job. Stay in Jesus. Don't pull up the potatoes. Don't stop doing what God has given you to do. Whatever God told you to do last, you better keep doing it. You better keep obeying him. And if you're tired and you're weary and you don't feel like you can go anymore, you don't know what to do, Stop putting so much confidence in your own strength and your own abilities. Wait on God. He will strengthen you. He will speak to you. He will refresh you. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. These are the lessons that I have learned over the last couple years of my life. And I'm thankful for them. Because I'm going to tell you, it brings me a lot of peace. It brings me a lot of peace that I didn't have before. And, you know, life is still life. I mean, it's hard. And there are some days that I feel that anxiety, you know, that anxiety that, like, starts to build up in you that says, like, it's all going to fall apart. You're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. Like, everybody knows, like. And I'm like, nope. I ain't doing it. I'm not doing that, devil. I know who God is. I know that he's for me. I know that he loves me. I'm not going to try to do his job. I'm just going to keep on doing what he gave me to do, even if I feel discouraged about it, even if there weren't as many people in the seats as I wished would have been in the seats, even if the outreach didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. Guess what? I'm going to get up the next day, and I'm going to keep doing it. Do it unto God, faithful, the best I can. And when I don't know what to do, I'm just going to wait because I know that God has a plan. So I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to respond to this word. We're going to have a time to worship and pray. But as you stand, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads, because I want to ask if there's anyone here today, because I don't know all of you, anyone here today that needs Jesus in your life. You just say, I don't, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm not a Christian. I don't follow Jesus. But I feel convicted this morning. And I want to give my life to Christ. I want to turn it over. I believe 
that he is who he says he was, and I want to, to depend on him to save me from my sin. If that's you, just very quickly lift up a hand and say, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anyone here? If that's you, then I want to know who you are because I want to pray with you. And even if you don't want to walk down here today, you can lift a hand. I'll see who you are. You can come to me after the service and I can pray with you personally. I would love to pray with you. Just for one more moment, I'm going to ask, is there anyone here today who says, I want to give my life to Christ today? Anyone? And so now I'm just going to talk about these three points and give you guys a chance to respond. I told you it's basically like three sermons, three mini sermons. So if any of it applied to you and you want to respond, that's what we're going to do right now. Pastor Neil is going to lead us. We're going to open up the altars. Come, kneel, sit, stand, whatever you want to do and respond. Do you need to know your role in your relationship with God? Have you, are things out of balance? You, you have tried to play the role of God. You're not listening to the voice of God, but you're only listening to yourself and, and trying to determine what needs to stay and go in your life. But you know the Holy Spirit is telling you, uh-uh, this thing right here, it needs to go. It needs to go, but you've resisted. Let the, let the vine dresser cut that thing out of your life today. See, because God only removes something out of our life for our benefit. He doesn't do it to harm us. He does it to help us, to bring health to our soul. And maybe you're, you're on the verge of giving up. You're like, I've had it. I'm about to pull up these potatoes. I can't take it anymore. I don't see how doing what I'm doing makes a difference. I know that God gave me this dream. I know he gave me this calling, but I'm about ready to quit. If that's you, you need to get down here today. You need to let God refresh you. You need to let him restore you. You need to get it in your mind that if you don't give up, you will reap a harvest. The potatoes are still under the ground. And if you're just tired, you're just weary, you just can't go anymore. You don't know what to do. You're just, you're at a loss. You just need to know that it's okay to just wait on God. Don't make any big decision. Don't go crazy. Don't go running back to your old ways. Don't run back to the world. Just wait. Wait on the Lord. Amen. So as Pastor Neil leads us, if you want to respond, I'm going to give you a chance to move out. If you do, I will, I'll join you and others will join you and pray with you this morning. Lead us, Pastor Neil.